What is up, plant people? It's Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, and this is Vikram Baliga, your host, back with another episode of Planthropology. How's everyone doing? You hanging in there? I know for me, uh, you may have may or may not have noticed that I'm I'm quite the extrovert. So this uh um Social distancing has been quite the challenge for me, but you know what? We're doing okay. We're doing what we're supposed to do, and we are trying our best to make sure that everyone stays healthy and that we can get back to our lives as soon as possible. So uh, stay in, stay safe, all of that. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about that for today. I have a great episode for you today, but I wanted to start off by reading you a review. Uh, And this one is on iTunes from my friend Paul Chomo. And he says the podcast about plants, agriculture, soil, water, and conversations with interesting people that I didn't know I needed. Vikram presents the information in a way that is down to earth and interesting. Well done. Paul, man, I appreciate that more than I can tell you. If you don't know, Paul is the host of the Varmints podcast, which is just stellar. And uh, he's been doing it for quite a while now. I think they're on episode 106 or something like that. So if you haven't listened to Varmints, um, definitely go do that. If you're into animals, you are going to love it. It's safe for work, great for your family, and really just a fun time. So Paul, again, thanks for the kind words and your support. You've just been such a good friend through this process. Um, a quick note. Uh, so uh, for the folks that donate on Patreon, and if you if you still want to do that, uh, it's patreon.com slash planthropology. But um, for the next couple of months, while we're still in um, weird times, if you, you know, have to pull your support, I totally get that. It's very uncertain. Uh, but Paul, who I just mentioned, actually gave me the great idea that I'm going to donate um, anything that I get in from y'all on Patreon over the next two or three months to our local food bank and make sure that people that need food um, can get it. So it's not a lot of money, but uh, every little bit helps. So um, I appreciate y'all's support and just your interest in the show and you wanting to help out. So I'm not going to try to talk you out of supporting, but just know that for the next little bit, any money that comes in through Patreon is going to go uh, to our local South Plains food bank. So uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is our Facebook group. And if you're not a part of the Planthropologies Cool Plant People Facebook group, you really need to be. It's a lot of fun. We share lots of memes and I uh, post updates and there's just really fun conversation from a lot of the plant people who listen to this show like you do. Uh, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Um, I've mentioned before, but through April and hopefully May, if I've got enough content, I'm going to release episodes pretty much weekly just so you have something else to do um, as you're home with your families. Um, again, this is a show that y'all can listen to together and it's just great information for anyone uh, who wants to listen. Our our guests are um, brilliant and interesting and funny. And uh, this is really a great show in spite of my rambling. So uh, please listen with your families and uh, let me know if there's anything you'd like me to cover. Okay, so jumping into today's episode, I sat down quite a while ago, I think in January or February, and talked with my friend, um, Dr. Jessica Tuller Karoom, who is um, Uh, a public health professional and has great knowledge about epidemiology and biological statistics and all kinds of things. But 
more recently, and uh, the way I know her is she heads up a lot of the community gardening efforts in the school. I'm sorry, the school gardening efforts and community gardens, I guess, in uh, the Lubbock area. And she works with the Hunger and Horticulture Group of the South Plains Hunger Solutions Organization. Uh, She is a wealth of knowledge on gardening and public health and ways that we can get kids to eat vegetables and ways that we can get adults to eat vegetables and how to run so many of these projects. And I, I, I've got to tell you, I just really, really enjoyed uh, talking to Jessica and um, I value her input on so many things. So I think y'all are really, really going to love this episode. Now, uh, we don't talk about coronavirus or anything on the public health front from that standpoint. However, the idea of getting out and gardening and spending time in your yard and growing your own food and getting fresh air and getting exercise are all relevant today. And I think that from a public health standpoint and just a personal health standpoint, those are all things we should be doing at any time, pandemic or otherwise. So sit back, uh, gather the family around, pop some popcorn. I I don't know. That's maybe counterintuitive to what we're going to talk about. I don't think popcorn's really a vegetable, but um, enjoy. Let me know what you think. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Well, thanks for being here with me today, Jessica. Thank you, Vikram, for having me. I appreciate it. So, um... Tell me about yourself. Uh, you know, I, I I have known you from a lot of the school and community gardening efforts um, in West Texas. We met, what, probably four years ago, three years ago? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Four. I think it was four. And I was directed to your office when you were the Ag Extension agent um, because I was starting a school garden at Christ the King. And um, you gave me some of the cornerstone advice that I think I've then shared with multiple people as they talk about gardens. And that is to not start too big, try and start small, (laughs) which is good advice for like all kinds of things. Um, and, and then there were several things that like I had people putting up roadblocks and questions and, you, you you appropriately blew them off. No, no, not a barrier, not an issue. So like <laughs> we were like, uh, we're going to take all the leaves. Are any of these trees, uh, should we not compost these leaves? You're like, no, all the leaves. It's just fine. These are all great. Right. <laughs> but these are the things that people in the community ask you. And, and as a lay person, as a person who's not a horticulturist, like I, uh, I guess I'll ask someone. Let's, let's go find someone who knows that answer. Right. So. So anyway, okay, well, and that's and, and those have been really cool. Uh, probably and we'll get into the the details of some of this a little bit more later, yes. but um, it's been really cool to see these uh, community garden efforts and school garden efforts specifically grow over the past several years. Um, yes, it's gone from I don't. It seems to me like it's gone from two or three schools to like a, a dozens. I don't. I don't really know. Right. Lots of schools. Right. Well, so so I think a couple things. One. I think that I happened to be coming online, Christ King happened to be coming online as the same time that the Texas Hunger Initiative, which is based out of Waco, was building a hunger coalition in Lubbock. And as part of that whole hunger coalition, wanted to have a focus on supporting school and community gardens. I also was having the same thought of, I've been doing this for a year with this school garden, and, and you came out and saw the progress I'd made after a year. And I said... 
is who could I talk to? How could I get together with people that do this? Could we learn from each other? Could we join efforts? Could there be some, I don't know, sharing of resources? And I, again, I'm not a horticulturist. I've learned a hobby gardener in my backyard. Like maybe there's something again, obviously about West Texas that I don't know, not being from this area that I could learn. And just so happens they were already kind of working on some of that. Right. And so that was like very serendipitous that worked out together. I think that actually there were a lot more school gardens, but we weren't talking to each other. And so nobody knew about it. Yeah. Um, and like the list, the, the textile initiative before I found out about them before, whatever I was even looking at this area, um, they had a whole evaluation. They had a list of gardens from six years ago at this point, I think. And what's, what is we've now learned is that at least I want to say 50% of those are no longer active gardens. Wow. That's a big number. There, there are a lot of gardens out there that have been built that someone put resources and time. They got a grant for it. They put it, I mean, it's in the ground. That's the, that's the biggest cost. Right. And then that energy, that whatever, maybe that person moved on, like whatever that is. And, and so, um, I, I, my new mantra used to be when I first was joining Tech Sector Initiative and doing this coalition, my mantra, you know, I definitely was very excited about more school gardens, we need all the school <laughs> gardens. And now it's like, no, 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 we need more gardeners. We need more gardeners because when that person gets tired out or, or they move, I mean, we all have things oh, yeah. that happens. Yeah. So, but if there was a bigger percentage of the population that was gardening, then people wouldn't feel so, uh, uh, oh gosh, well, I can't do that. I'm going to, I've got a black thumb and oh. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill everything or whatever else. Yeah. There'd be that lower barrier to entry. That's not this pressure. So yeah, we need more gardeners. There are resources out there. There are gardens. I can I have them. So we have a map of all the gardens now, which that wasn't a thing. It wasn't existing that I know of. So that's really cool, yeah. by the way. Yeah. It's really cool. The online map. So we'll include it in your show notes. Yeah, I'll put the link. Yeah. Um, some of those gardens aren't active right now. And okay. that's a that's a thing. Um, we're working on that map on adding more resources to it in the sense of like right now where I can, I have a contact, whether it's a Facebook page or a website or whatever, an email address if I can. Um, but some of those gardens aren't active. And so there may not be a contact person, but if you reach out to us, we can, we'll find somebody. If you're interested in like contributing partially, like I want to take one bed from this place, like that, that's something I would love to work on. Yeah. Um, getting some of those gardens that aren't, they're there. They're, they're, the resources are there and nobody's loving on them. That just, I mean, that just breaks, breaks my, my heart, breaks our collective hearts. Well, and that's, you know, and that's, uh, that's such an interesting thought too, that, um, there's people that want to garden and and for whatever circumstance of life, whether it's space or time or, you know, the stuff, like you said, lives happen. Yeah. We're busy. We're, we move around, we live in an apartment. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the thought that. Well, on the on the other side of this, okay, school gardens are great. We te- we're teaching kids about growing food, about their f- sources of their food, about nature. But if you could give someone that really wants to garden, yeah. or really wants to have some kind of an outdoor activity, like half a bed in a school garden that they help maintain. Oh, yeah. That solves a lot of problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's their school. I think there could be school partnerships and opportunities. Um I think there's obviously community gardens that that could be shared that way. Right now, they're not necessarily, but they could be. 
Um, so that's, that's all conversations I think hmm. are available. So yeah, I think having, like, this was not new knowledge. There were 17, I think, I don't know that maybe there were only 15 gardens before last year, but like there, there have been one or two more and there's more coming online theoretically, right. um, all the time. Uh, there's, but, but then more, more, more than anything, just getting them in circulation. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm going to use that word. In- I, I like that actually. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good one. Like, I, but yeah, cause the space is there. The, yes. the infrastructure is in a lot of cases done. It's almost ex- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you just need the people to do it. Yes. Huh. And so I think getting together and talking about it, which is what the hunger and horticulture team, uh, part of the South Plains hunger solutions and mm-hmm. we're South Plains hunger solutions on Facebook and Instagram. Um, that's what we we do. We meet at different gardens uh, or farms, and we have about ten meetings a year. So it's not every month, um, but we meet at different places or the greenhouse. We've met here before. Right. Yep. Um, so, as a person, even in the community, even if you didn't have a garden, even yourself, it's an excuse to go see what what grows and how how people are doing and how they're doing things. If you do have a school garden, it's great to see how did they challenge, how did they tackle that challenge? How did they, you know, what are some things they're doing I'd like to do? Or it's also great to host, I think, because although everyone feels a little uncomfortable, just like when people invite people over to your house, <laughs> no one wants people in your garden like, oh, don't notice the things I didn't fix already. Oh, gotta, yeah. I left the plant there. I should have transplanted, <laughs> da, 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 whatever. Um, it's a great opportunity to get some input because we have farmers that come. We have other school gardener, garden parent like me. Um, but, you know, some. so if you're like, eh, I can't figure out what to do about this thing, so I just keep doing this. And then oftentimes there's some kind of person who's either done it before or actually is trained and has expertise. <laughs> and yeah, so they can say, right? <laughs> right? Whoa. And so they can say like, oh, try this out or I use this seed instead of that seed or, you know. So that's been fun, too, to try and even if you're hosting, you still get something out of it is you get some an, a, literally expert consultation. Yeah, like absolutely. Opportunity. So. Absolutely. No. And, and that's that's really cool. And I, I really like the the project and the, the vision of the project. So I want to take a step back for a minute. and We'll yes. come back to this a little bit more. But uh, tell me about how did you get here? How did like so good because your uh, y- your background, I think, is vastly different than most of the people I've talked to on the show, <laughs> um, which is a good thing. I it think it's so really cool. It is so confusing when people say, so they know I'm, if, if people find me in Lubbock, they, they might, you know, find me through CGK Garden or if it's South Plains Hunger Solutions or even Junior League, I'm involved in all those things. Um, and so little, little known secret, not that it's a secret, but <laughs> I actually have a job in Houston. <laughs> so I'm... <laughs> A public health professional. I have a degree, a background in public health. I have a my degree is in epidemiology with like a minor in biostatistics. But please don't. Is that all? Just just a minor? Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so like, there's that. But I got to a point where uh, I was spending. I I do spend still all this time on these scientific papers, which are important and they move the the field forward. But there was a part of me that was like, ugh. 10 people read this. I spent four whole months of my life. Right. Or more. Right. Or oh, more. Yeah. That's just the writing of the first draft before you even like, you know, get to the, all the revisions and the publication and whatever else and any presentations you did on it. And maybe, you know, if you can, if you'd get to a presentation page, maybe you got to 25 people. Yeah. But 
when I work at CTK Garden, I'm a parent there, a volunteer, not a teacher. It's just something I've done as a passion project. Um, I get to, I get 15 kids multiple times a week and they could be anywhere at CTK, anywhere from pre-K all the way up to high school. And I'm having all kinds of conversations and, and just blowing minds multiple times a week and that's fun (laughs) it's so so much fun it's so fun so yeah i um it's a very practical part of public health and the good news is while they're not funding me to do it but my department has been very supportive of no you're you're doing public health like yeah don't be afraid to say you're from ut school public health that's fine um because yeah it's a very practical side of it um so, so yeah, I started it as a, a parent in a school that wanted to do something more for my kids' school, um, wanted to give them an opportunity to be outside and to have practical science, math, also history. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, in our school, it's a Catholic school. Religion can tie in as well. Oh, sure. Um, all kinds of uh, opportunities to tie in curriculum to something outside. We in Lubbock, unfortunately... Have some days where it's kind of unpleasant to be outside. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> uh-huh. it makes it feel like all the days are unpleasant to be outside if you didn't have an excuse to be outside. But no, there are many days that are also very pleasant to be outside. And so if you have an excuse to get out there, you're looking for that chance. Yeah. And so, um, and I'm just a big fan of practical education. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I started this and had some parents that were interested in some teachers and, um, and I was enjoying social media as far as that kind of, uh, education mode. And so I started a social media account and, and, um, yeah. And then I wanted to do more with connecting with other school gardens. I had a meeting where I was talking about how great school gardens were with somebody, um, an administrator at a public school and, they said, well, that's fine and good for a private school. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a defiant side, and that definitely uh, <laughs> raised my hackles. So so that's definitely brought my attention to public schools and how could this be done in public schools? How how What are the models that work and what are the different things? And it's going to look different for every school, and it's really going to depend on the culture and the principal and all the things. But I, I do believe it's possible. Oh and, yeah, and I and so yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I work towards that. So that's something I want to support and want to encourage, and <laughs> that's fine. But I'm just like I'm, I'm imagining this conversation, <laughs> like having known you for a little while, um, having known that I have no poker face, and having well known, maybe like, like that, what yeah. could I possibly have like? Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> but but you know what? That's that's really interesting that we get. So many of those kinds of comments, especially around here. Oh, yeah. Which is weird for me in an such an agricultural. So if you're out there listening and you don't know anything about West Texas, we grow about 25 percent of the nation's output in cotton. Yes. In the like two or three county area around us. Yes. We're incredibly agricultural. It's 95 percent of our acres. We also grow food that we, we say food, fiber and fuel. So right. a little bit of everything. But then you get into some of these like city environments mm-hmm. um, and, and Lubbock's not huge. We've mentioned this before. It's about 300,000 people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a that's a fair size city. That is mm-hmm. not a small town. Right. And you say, well, we're going to grow some food. We're going to teach these kids to grow food. They're like, oh, no, we can't do it. 
That doesn't I, make any sense. I, it's not possible. There's all what? kinds of barriers. There's all kinds of barriers. There's that's fine and good because, but we can't do it because we're under resourced. That was the, the that's fine and good for private school was about resources. Huh. There's uh, I've seen gardens come and go. I've heard that. Right. It's another comment yes. I've heard. Um, we don't have an active as far as school gardens. We don't have an active involved parental base. Okay, that's another okay. that's another barrier. Um, the resources thing that really shouldn't affect existing gardens. No, I, I really think that should be of of zero impact. So any school out there that has a garden right now, finding resources seeds. If you have any need of seeds, please let us know because <laughs> Southwest Younger Solutions can get you some flipping seeds. Yeah. So um, we yeah we've got lots of seeds. Maybe it's irrigation. Maybe it's compost. Maybe it's, but these are all resources that the hunger and horticulture team has been working on getting and, and, and making sure that that's not a barrier. So once you're already in business, resources should not be an issue. Parental involvement, that is a real issue. Um, It does take some time. I think for some schools, you're going to have a community partner organization, like a church or something that could help kind of provide some of the in-between stuff. I think there's lots of other models. So that's one solution. And I think it's going to have to be a conversation at every. Yeah, absolutely. To figure that out. Well, and, and for me, it seems like now. And OK, I can't. This is this is a blanket statement. and I can't speak for everyone. But I, I think gen- generally, I would say most parents, if they were presented the things in the right way. Yeah. And they were given the opportunities in the right way. I don't I don't know a lot of parents that are just like, nah, I don't want to I don't want to be involved at all. And it happens. I know it does happen. Yes. Um, but I'm just thinking like I'm very busy. Yes. And so when, you know, my, my son's only three, but yes, but his school still does stuff. They're Absolutely. like, hey, come to this thing at two in the afternoon. I'm like, well, I, I can't. Not that. Yeah. But if it, if, you know, they said, well, we're going to spend an hour on a Saturday morning sometime planting seeds. Yep. And just hanging out outside. Absolutely. I would be, and I, and I understand that I, my, my circumstances are different. I get all that. But I would be more willing, I think, to say, yeah, I can go spend an hour of quality time with my son Absolutely. when I'm not working to go do that. And so I think the fact, it, yes, and the and parental involvement, I think, across the board is an issue. But if, if we're crafting these opportunities, yes. like you have done, I think, yes. very well uh, at, at CTK for sure. That, that maybe that given the right opportunity, the parents would be involved. Um, it's just it, it's just, I guess, adjusting the situation in the right way to make it uh, uh, tenable. I think absolutely there's there's providing the opportunity. And I think also having a mindset, changing your your expectation and your mindset about what that looks like. Right. So. First of all, as you said, outside of actual work hours, whether it's a weekend or even like an early evening kind of situation, that's, I think, a totally possible opportunity for parents, even in a low parental involvement environment. Sure. Theoretically, I've not actually done that. So I will caveat whoever out there is upset with that statement. Please forgive me. (laughs) Um, I'm acknowledging. So, but I have found in my own school, which... I have all kinds of supports in my own school, so I'm I've I've got lots of privileges here. Um, they require service sure. at our at our private school, and many service many private schools do have that opportunity that requirement. Because I offer opportunities on the weekends, I have parents come that can't come to the other 
right. the other things. And I'll tell you that um, April and May service day that happens for family service day, it's quite full usually because people are hours. trying to get in their hours. <laughs> And what I find, unfortunately, good news, bad news, is the parents that come to those are usually parents that actually have almost no garden experience. And so it's an education, honestly, more than service. There is we're we're having an education day. And I think that's the other framing. The other framing is you're building a community. Yeah. And whoever shows up, that is your chance to actually engage and maybe create a new gardener. Who knows? I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but if you frame it like this is an opportunity to build community, it's an opportunity to, to open somebody's, pique somebody's interest that one time. Let's try that. Let's yeah. see if that happens. I don't know, but we'll see. It's all a big experiment. Absolutely. Which is kind of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think there are great, there are great opportunities out there, even if you don't have kids. Um, or if you do have kids, the heart of Lubbock community garden mm-hmm. they do a great job of hosting you can go have input as to what they have an event coming up in, in january they, every month they have a, a come and give input on what what you think the garden should plant sure. or whatever i mean they have a whole thing then there's regular service days and i've actually modeled a fair amount uh, after after elizabeth brosler so thank you uh beth out there for having done that um because that made me think oh i need to have my family service days at somewhat regular intervals so that people know what to expect. Oh, every month on around the second or third, depending on how it falls in the calendar, like weekend on a Saturday, we're going to have some time. I can look for that. Yeah. I can, you know, and so, um, yeah, they have tasting Tuesdays. They have all kinds of amazing stuff at heart of Lubbock. So definitely people should check that out. Okay. Yeah, that's and that's I think that's the way to do all of those things. Oh, yes. Consistency, repetition. Uh, I I had a a former colleague when I was at the extension that said education is a long and repetitive process. Yes. Which is maybe the truest thing I've ever heard anyone say about education, because. I, we, I think we have to be presented with things, whether it's new facts, new processes, new skills, more than once. I think, you know, the the, the data shows that the science shows yes. that we are not as a species instant adopters of things. Mm. Right. We get new information. And even if that information's good, it takes a little bit for it to get through our our skulls. And we see that in society. We see that with so many things that the data's out there. The science is good, but people will not like latch on to it mm-hmm. because maybe one, it's not presented in the right way in a practical mm-hmm. approachable way. But two, because we say something to someone once and we just expect them to get it. Yes. And, and so I think when you say that, yeah, you're doing these service days over and over and over and people know what to expect. They know when to come. They know what they're going to get when they get there. Uh, that is, I think the right way to do oh, education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so uh, in public health, we have different models of behavior change. Um, so different people have tried to study and, and figure out why don't people, we all know exercise is good for us, but why don't people do it? You know, we all know that eating more vegetables are good for us. And yet, right. <laughs> and so what we have there, there is some, some literature around this argument about, uh, um, and now I'm like trying to remember what the model says, but it starts out with things like maybe I know the information, but I still have a barrier about it. Hmm. So, so knowing the information isn't enough. Right. Okay. Maybe I know the information, let's say it's running and I have running shoes now. Okay. Like I've got, you know, right. I'm closer to actually doing it. Right. And so, um, 
I am trying to think of all of those things when I think about gardening, when I think about growing your own food. So here's some reasons. How about this? Here's some reasons why you should grow your own food. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give you a range because okay. everybody, again, just like behavior, maybe but just like running. Maybe you're going to be motivated by mental health aspects. Maybe you're going to be motivated. There's all kinds of, so I'm going to give all kinds of reasons. Sure. Growing your own food is opportunity for physical exercise. Theory, being outside. There's science around us being outside actually is good for our health. Right. Just period. Right. Whether it's the exposure to the sun or vitamin D, whether it's touching soil mm-hmm. has been shown to literally decrease our risk of depression. Wow. Um, so like it is mental health benefits right there. Whether or not you grew something. Whether or not anything actually grew and you ate it, there's mental health benefits. <laughs> um, uh, there are um, mental health benefits about not being on your screen, not being, you know, that kind of thing. So there's there's opportunities there. There's literature for children, uh, some literature that says that if a child grows it, they're more likely to taste it and more likely hmm. to eat it. So for that's the that's part of the argument behind school gardens in particular is all these parents out there say, well, why would I grow it? My kids aren't going to eat it anyway. (laughs) Well, in fact, it's kind of almost the if you build it, they will come model. Thank you, Field of Dreams. Um, So Science. Right, science. science. It's there too. So um, if you grow it, there's a good chance, an increased chance that your child would try it. I'm not saying they're going to eat it every day. They're going to try it. And P.S., I have two children. They're still little. Artichokes. And so, um, like, they're going to choose. I'm sorry, I'll stop laughing. You get to do your dubbing. You get to do your dubbing. That makes me so happy. There you go. Um, So, some days they're totally into some vegetable. And other days they're not. So, I I have a child who's, one, my older child is a little better, but my younger child is quite picky. And for a while, all he would eat were pea shoots. That's an oddly specific. Oddly specific. This child, bougie, bougie <laughs> child. So pea shoots and shishito peppers. Okay. Yeah. Those are like fancy tastes for a. Which I literally have to go buy from a farmer. Thank you, E3 Farms. Yeah, um, good job, so, Ethan. <laughs> good job, Ethan. So like, but then I would buy a bag of pea shoots and spend. I'm sorry, Ethan. I think it's three or four dollars. Spend that money on it <laughs> and like, and. Then he would say, I don't actually like pea shoots anymore. So I am with you, parents. I get it. That is that is frustrating. It is so frustrating. So, um, yeah. I, I But if you grow it, they're more likely to try it. Right. And just because he doesn't like it today doesn't mean he won't eat it when I bring it back another week. So I did a veggie plate this week. And I, by the way, my child had recently said I don't like pea shoots. And on the veggie plate were sliced cucumbers, uh sliced peppers and some pea shoots. And I knew of those three items, the only thing that he actually would eat would be the pea shoots. Mm -hmm. And just even though he had said he didn't like them before, but he had eaten them. Mm -hmm. And that kid jumped in there and grabbed a handful of pea shoots. And it was presented in more of a like, here's in the middle of the table. Just get what you want. Choose what you want. There's no blah, blah. It wasn't on his plate. And that's, you get, you get a whole different experience. Illusion of choice, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And yet I chose something that you knew, I knew you would have some, you know, attachment to. Right. And so now we still work on trying things. I do it at schools. I do it anytime I'm in a garden. One of my favorite things is to literally tear a leaf off of something and like 
eat it myself uh-huh. and be like, oh gosh, that's great. You know, whatever. Uh, arugula. Anybody else want to try? It's kind of spicy. I don't know. Do you mean like here spi- like spicy Cheetos, like those hot Cheetos? <laughs> you want to try some? This is pretty and much they- that. Yes. <laughs> and they will totally try it. And that's yes, hilarious. three out of four of those people will be like, that's interesting. One person will be like, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again. You said this was a Cheeto. <laughs> exactly. But that's fine. That's fine. So, so yeah. Um, that is another reason to garden is the exposure. It's just exposure to vegetables. Another reason to garden is science. For, for schools is science education. I have literally had a sixth grader tell me, now tell me again, carrots, what tree do carrots grow on? Oh, oh no. What tree do they grow on? Those were the, her words. It wasn't do they grow on trees. It was I know Remind they grow me on trees. Again, <laughs> what tree that they grow on? And carrots, by the way, if you're if you are not buying carrots, that is like ninety nine percent of ch- children will eat carrots. Uh-huh. So if you need a vegetable that your child's going to eat, by all means, grow. Please, please buy some carrots. That's level one. Eat produce. Level two, buy some local produce. Level three for your overachievers, which is where I'm going to push everybody to, her, is growing your own. Growing your own food. If you pulling carrots out of the ground, pulling radishes out of the ground, which you wouldn't necessarily expect, pulling be any of that thing out of the ground, onions, radishes, carrots, kids, Christmas. It is Christmas for kids. <laughs> it's Christmas in July. It's Christmas in I don't care when. They love it. Yeah. They love all of that. And they, they'll they'll fight over it. They'll like, we'll have to have a contest to see who gets to pull the, the tallest carrot. Huh. Okay. I've got a number behind my back. Yes, whoever's closest gets to pull that that tallest carrot. Like, I mean, that's it's like a surprise, right? Like, yes. they there's there's this element of mystery to like, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm gonna get. Root vegetables. It's, it's the funniest it's thing. Magical. It's the funniest thing. Or like yes. dig, digging potatoes. Garlic. Or oh, digging potatoes. That is also a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they all love that. And I think as adults and gardening, we get to this place where we're like, oh gosh, I did all that work. And we only got four potatoes. Right. Why would I even do this? Yeah. But what's cool is when you involve those kids and they have such a good time, at least for me, maybe it's my educator side, but like for <laughs> me, I'm like, yeah, even though we only grew five sweet potatoes, it was so much fun to dig them out and everybody had fun. I had fun and it just, I don't know, I feed off their energy. Well, no, and so, I, I totally agree. And I think is, and this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I don't know, uh, I think as we, especially in today's society, as we like age and move through it and get more responsibilities, we lose our propensity for wonder. Yes. Right. Because we've been there, we've done it. We've got a job, we go to work, we sit in the car for an hour, we get home, whatever. And, and we get fewer and fewer opportunities to re-experience that the older we get. Yes. Um, You can go to a new place. You can go, you know, I'm going to go spend a week in the Alps, but not everyone can do that. Right. I sure can't do that. (laughs) Right. I can maybe drive to New Mexico. Rinoso. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. The, the Alps of the. Exactly. New Mexico wasteland. <laughs> um, I'm, new Mexico is beautiful. beautiful. If you're in New Mexico, I'm so you. sorry. Yes. But the eastern part of it is Mars. We're going to have to rescue Matt Damon from there eventually. <laughs> um, but for me, the way that I experience that wonder. And, you know, I, I've been very fortunate and privileged in my life that I've gotten to see and do a lot. Mm hmm. But watching my son discover these things for the first time. Oh, yes. Is I think, you know, it's like wonder by proxy, right? Absolutely. Like, um, and, and so 
if, if you need motivation as an adult yes. to get your kids into something like this, into some kind of science, any, I think any science, I don't care what, Yeah. but, um, gardening, pulling up carrots, yes. uh, getting to see that look on their face the first time they realize, oh, I love carrots. Oh, this yeah. is what it looks like. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you tell them a bananas. Well, I do this to adults and it's fun. A banana's a berry. Like what? <laughs> That's not what, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. I think that that, if you need a motivation other than the health and just yes. the time with your kids, yes. that's a big one. That is a, a, a selfish thing that there's so few ways I can get that feeling that wonder except through the experience of others. Yes. And so to, well, to try and bring in that wonder, we have like with carrots, especially after I had that student say which carrot, which tree does the carrot grow on? I I literally had that class dig out the carrots, not pull them up. Okay. We literally dug out half the side, and you can find it on CTK Garden. Um, there's even a hashtag half dig roots, I think. Oh. Um, and so and you because it gives them an opportunity to see it almost as if you were to have it in glass, you know, and like see underneath the ground, and so they can see where the where the carrots as a root for the plant are so they could anyway it's just a way of connecting them and seeing that wonder as a gardener as, as an adult you might want to do something like that because then that gives you some feedback about how do, good did my thinning do what right. does my soil look like am i having too many rocks and you know like that kind of that kind of feedback sure it's still super neat to do yeah. it that way like that's super useful now our farmers gonna have time they don't have time to get that stuff out get it out <laughs> right. But like, right 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 but for you and i like we can do that and we can experience that wonder in those places so and it's exciting yeah i think it's exciting i think i agree i don't know but yeah so my child who is picky i also am re- reflecting back your children don't remember the things they like and don't like right but yes that changes all the time yeah. so whatever um so they, I have a picture of him eating lettuce from my garden, and he literally said, "Mommy, these carnitas are delicious." Okay. <laughs> he was, he was. I think he was three at the time. But I was like, "That's lettuce, not carnitas." <laughs> but yes, I agree, it's delicious. Delicious. <laughs> yep. And today, if I put lettuce on his plate, or I even put lettuce, he would say, "No, I don't eat that." <laughs> they're carnitas don't worry they're, they're delicious. exactly put them worry. on your taco it's exactly. great exactly it's gonna be great so That's yes funny yes they eat they will eat it so that is a reason for gardening um i think community building is another reason for gardening if that's if you're social justice if you've got any kind of sure. interest in that kind of thing i think there's that opportunity for any audience members out there that care about climate change Gardening yourself is a climate change opportunity. If that turns yeah. you off, just forget I just said that. No, um, no, don't. No, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to lay down the gauntlet right here. Episode whatever this is, 10 or something. Uh, you should be concerned about climate change. OK, we're going to be OK. You with that. were out there listening to this. That is the thing you should be concerned about. And gardening yourself reduces your impact because a anything you've harvested has zero uh, uh, miles of travel. Right. So zero miles of travel that you've impacted. Uh, I joke, um, it's yes, there's local food and then there's hyper local. <laughs> right. Right. And so the thing from your backyard, that's hyper local or micro local. I don't know. I don't know which one we to use, but <laughs> they're both <laughs> like, good. Yes. I like both of them. Right. So like, um, Uber local. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> the best one. Uber local foods start a new so, movement. Right. So like that is you've reduced and, 
If you want to go for like gold, okay, gold status on your climate change potential, your own personal, whatever, that's going to, you're going to have to start composting. Yeah. Because that also impacts uh, uh, your personal footprint. And if you're gardening, you might as well compost because you want to use compost in your own garden. Um, that reduces your cost. If you're gardening, you want to use compost because you're going to have some waste from your garden, whether it's the tomato stems or whatever, some parts that you want to do something with. And so there's all kinds of great reasons, but yeah, but climate change, if you care about climate change, then gardening definitely should be one of your thoughts. Oh, so. I, absolutely. And, and people, I think, you know, we have made this and one of the, I, I've said this on a, a different, a different podcast I've done, but not this, yes. this one, but a different show I've yes. been on, but th- this is an aside. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been a good ride so far. There whatever. We go, there we go. Um, you know, one of the, one of the worst things we've done is politicizing climate change. Oh my gosh. The, it, that has, that has absolutely ruined this planet is politicizing climate change. So taking the politics out, out of, of it, it, if you're looking for a way to take personal responsibility for this planet. The, the things Jessica just mentioned is a good way to do it. No, it's not going to solve everything. But if we're all doing it, we can take big chunks out of the problem. It takes it. Absolutely. We all could be doing a tiny bit and a and tiny bit more. And, and by doing a tiny bit more, we're making a bigger impact. So, so yeah, I think, and, and I think if you care about climate change and you don't have room or you just, it's not on the list right now to be doing your own garden. Sure. Then the next best thing would be to buy local because buying local again reduces that mileage that that whatever had to do. Honestly, buying local, many of those people, they may not be certified organic. That's a whole conversation, um, but they are practicing low chemical or no chemical practices. They are composting, I promise you. Um, So, yeah, buying local at either Woolforth Farmer's Market or the Lubbock Downtown Farmer's Market, you're going to find that's that's also. Yeah. Or or, yeah. And wherever you are, I I can, you know, I'm not going to say guarantee, but I can bet somewhere not too far from you. There is a a farmer's market, a farm stand, something. And I and I I also understand the argument that um, which is which is a true thing. And as we talk about social justice and all that. Right. The local foods do tend to be more expensive. There is a premium price. However, there's more and more programs coming in like this is maybe a topic for another episode. But we have this double up food bucks program um, that's a national program that we yes. got to hear recently where um, through this program, if you go and shop at a farmer's market or different or several other places um, with like a, a, a what a snap card yep. or Lone Star uh, card, um, snap or wick. So generally Wolforth farmer's market, you can go into the office. Uh, so that's our local year round market. Um, and if you spend one, it's up to $20. Um, now I'm going to get in trouble. They will give you twenty more dollars. I think it's twenty. I think twenty is right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's. I can't right. remember if it's ten and ten or twenty twenty. Anyway, they will give you that value in addition that you can spend on local produce. Local produce. Yep. The first purchase has to be something you could buy on your Wicker Lone Star card anyway. That doesn't have to be produce. That could be meat. That could be dairy. Whatever. So you get double your value at a local produce producer at a farmers market, and you're putting that money back into the local economy. Yep. You're supporting uh, local businesses, small businesses. And so like there's, I mean, I, that's a whole other list of benefits. Yeah. That, like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that there's, there's a whole lot we could talk about and I'm, I'm, I'm watching our time and I'm like, I really want to keep talking for a while. So there's a couple more things we'll cover okay. and this will be a little longer than most of them. And I don't mind that. That's thoughtful Pe- of you. Thank you. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, cause this is a really good conversation and 
Um, but I think, I hope one of the messages I hope people that are listening are getting is that this is a complex system. Yes. Right. From from local food to climate change to um, education, everything else. This yes. is a complex system we're dealing in. And I think we have to treat it appropriately. Mm-hmm. We can't just say, oh, food is food. Vegetables are vegetables. You know, we'll learn it or we won't. I think we have to be intentional about the way we approach these systems and all of that. So the question I wanted to ask you or one of the questions I wanted to ask you coming into this is and we've we've covered it. A little bit. Pieces of it, yeah. Um, but So from a public health standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I'll put you on the spot a little bit and you can answer however you need to, but <laughs> through efforts like what you're doing, mm-hmm. how much of an impact do you think we can have on this public health crisis? Because I, I'm going to call what we have in, in the United States for sure, I can't speak for any other part of the world, a public health crisis where um, the amount of processed food we eat. And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I'm, I'm terribly unhealthy. Uh, we process food all the time. It's a fast food culture. All of these things, mm-hmm. our vegetable consumption, fruit consumption, mm-hmm. basic nutrient consumption has gone way down. And even when we're buying some of those things, we're not picking the most nutrient dense and yep. most efficient types of foods for ourselves. Sure. How much of an impact do you think we can really have on that through these local gardening efforts? Yikes. Okay. It's so a big question, that so. is a big question. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to start by saying that we, we do have a public health crisis. Um, and so it's interesting, like, you know, doing this hunger and horticulture and, and working with the, the supplements, hunger solutions, people will say, well, you, there's no way you could grow enough food. That's one of the other barriers I've heard, by the way. <laughs> no, we grow enough food. How much do you grow? That's another question. Um, we are at our public health crisis at this point. We, I, I was just listening to your last podcast. Uh, most recent one for this episode was the one with Hallie. Hallie Casey, and yeah. She's saying, and she's right. We are, our farmers have gotten to the point where they are actually growing enough food. Our rates of actual starvation hunger are going down. In the United States, our bigger problem is actually nutrition. It's actually getting access to good nutrition for people that are food insecure. They mm-hmm. may not be starvation hungry, but they are food insecure. They don't know when or where their next meal will be, how nutrient dense it will be. So if something comes their way, they're going to consume it because who knows what's what is next. Um or if something comes their way, they're going to portion that out because who knows what's next. I mean, so food insecurity is our bigger problem in the states and nutrition impact. So from school and community gardens, what I'm hoping for as far as public health is more about exposure so okay. that when they get something, if they were to get it from a food bank or from a pantry or heck in the cafeteria line, they're not averse to it because they've seen it grown in the ground because they've seen. So, so getting that exposure is I think a value and a public health value so that we improve nutrition. I, I also think as far as uh, our whole population, not just our, our poverty stricken population, our whole population, nobody's good at eating more vegetables. No. Not one person. I mean, if you, the, the recommended amount of vegetables a day is five servings. Five, let's let that sink in okay. for half a second. So what's a serving? Anything that's like cut up fruit or whatever vegetable thing half a cup is a serving okay okay so carrots um any root vegetables tomatoes all that kind of stuff half a cup if you're talking about greens okay you could fill a half a cup like two leaves so (laughs) that means doesn't count no friend you need more (coughs) you need a cup of greens okay that's spinach that's lettuce that's 
mustard greens. I could name all kinds of things because I do love all the vegetables. <laughs> so, but we don't have to do that. So, um, uh, how many people out there are getting five servings of vegetables? And that's a challenge for our listeners. Write down what you ate yesterday, everything you ate, and see if you've got by those measurements half a cup and a cup. If you've oh, gotten I- five servings, and I, I promise you. 90% of people probably. Oh, no. I, no. I mean, and what we know from actual research, people actually doing research out there among kids, is they're not getting vegetables, whether they got there. And, and yes, we have policies in place with, with school lunches to try and increase some of those. Some of those policies sometimes get rolled back, but whatever. Conversation <laughs> for another day. Sure. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and then at home, what are the opportunities? So I've heard parents say, well, I feed them well enough at home. So if lunch is where it is, it is what it is. So are you offering it? Cause honestly, can you possibly eat if, and if, even if it's cut up tomatoes, imagine this two and a half cups of tomatoes at dinner. Cause that's the only thing you like. There's a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like. Theoretically, it'd be really great if you could spread out during the day because at dinner, you're just not going to get it all in. And did you eat it at breakfast? I mean, I love my spinach and my eggs, but sure. like, but not everybody does that. That's very rare that we there's, have there's a no vegetable. There's no spinach and Pop-Tarts. Yeah. No, there's no spinach and Pop-Tarts. No. So anyway, yes, nutrition is our challenge. It's our challenge for everyone. Sure. Uh, and, and part of that is access. Part of that is time. Could you go back to the anthropology of it all? We we no longer sit and prepare meals. We think, oh, it's so much, it's so much work, it's so much time. Our, you know, third generation, our grandparents spent a lot of time in food preparation. And we're just not. Yeah. We're just not spending it. And it's so much time, it's so much time. We have cut back, I mean, the studies of time spending of things we've cut back on all kinds of things how long it takes to clean our house how long it takes to make our food how long it takes to buy our food grow our food so we do have an opportunity we just choose not to spend it yeah making food and i think that part of the challenge there for our culture is to make it a something you get something out of Mm -hmm. whether that's I'm spending family time chopping up vegetables. It's an activity we're doing together. Whether that's I'm going to a friend's house and we're doing a meal prep together and I get to talk to my friend and hang out with them and then I get to take home meal. Like it's a community thing. Yeah. So that kind of builds an opportunity for more. So there's, there's opportunities and it's my job, theoretically, as a public health professional <laughs> to try and figure out how, what could I like tied to this that would make that behavior more exciting for you and more likely that you would do it whether it's eat that vegetable and i gotta part of that is i gotta figure out what your barrier is yeah so i'm like coming in from all it's that different for everyone. everybody well and so yeah it, no and that's again it is such a complex issue because even me yes. i know all that you right? have the education part check However, <laughs> it's so much easier to be like, oh, it's, you know, five o'clock. Got to go pick Bradley up. We're just going to pick up food on the way home. Absolutely. It's so much easier. And and I, I, you know, I've spent years studying this, not not from the same perspective, maybe, yes. but on the, the other side of it, the production side of it. And I, like, I know these things, but yes. even for, for me, it is so hard to eat well. Yes. Um, and it's, for you know, and, and again, I, I've mentioned this in the, the other episode that, you know, I'm at a place in my life where I can go buy fresh local produce. I yep. can afford to do it. Yep. I have those outlets. We have the infrastructure here. It's possible. But I still am not doing it as much as I can. So I think that um, 
maybe these efforts, like all the stuff you just said, but yeah, these efforts of introducing it younger again. Yep. Because that's something that maybe the last 30 years has gone away is the, the, the garden education, the na- the natural, uh, there's a word I want. It's not come to me, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that type of education has gone away a little bit in our school systems and bringing it back a little bit and introducing these things at a young age, maybe for our next generation will pay huge dividends. I hope it does Absolutely. for my son's generation and your kids' Absolutely. generation. I would also argue it's not just garden education. It's culinary education. Oh, yeah. We are a third and fourth generation removed from knowing how to peel a garlic. Huh. Take a garlic. Yeah. So, so, so I, as, a, as my I'm thinking about my, my, you know, my model to get someone to grow it and then eat it. So I've gotten a garlic grown. We planted it. It grew. I had a kid pull it. This is a literal story. I had a kid pull it at a service day. And I, and part of my connection is I want to have that kid take home that vegetable because now they've pulled it and they have an attachment to it. And so maybe they'll eat it. Okay. So tie it from seed to harvest a plate. He pulled it. I sent it with him. His parents were still at service day. He came back to me and said, my mom says, we don't, we don't do this. Wow. We don't cook with this. We wow. don't, we don't do this. And he was a middle school student. And so, so here's the challenge, you know, parents complain about their kids and how their kids aren't, you know, helping parents also need to have a little bit of flexibility on their end to take a little more time mm-hmm. to be a little more patient and actually have culinary time with their child. I'm going to call it culinary time because it sounds fancy. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> because P.S. Maybe as a three-year-old, they're not so helpful. And so it's a lot of cost on your end <laughs> to get them in that kitchen. I get that. Okay. So my children are now six and, and nine. In a week, it'll be 10. And I'm telling you, the 10-year-old is actually flipping helpful. Huh. Sometimes when he wants to be. So. <laughs> so. But part of that is you you have to put in the time when they're little to say, like, this doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. My, my six-year-old was like, oh, no, I cut that cucumber too thick. I'm like, well, we'll eat it. Okay. What's yeah. the worst thing that happened? Yeah. So, so getting yourself that pressure off, like, oh, it's so annoying to have them in the kitchen. I agree. It's really annoying to have them in the kitchen. But if you can frame it in this place of, like, we're having fun. This is culinary time. This is what we do. And, yes, that means you have to be at your house. And, then I mean, travel yeah. time, all the things. Yeah. I'm totally with you. But on a weekend, maybe you chop some extra vegetables together. And meal prep. And yeah. put it in the fridge. And yeah. I'm not even talking about, like, actually putting in a meal. I'm just talking about having okay. cut up vegetables. Yeah. Because having cut up vegetables means you're going to eat it, P.S. Yeah. Means that when you come home at five o'clock and you were like, uh, I already picked up food, but you know what else is in your fridge? Chopped up carrots. Yeah. And cucumbers and bell peppers, whatever it is. If you did that once a week, I'm, I call them snack foods. Yeah. Snack peppers, snack whatever. That automatically increases your veggie consumption. Ha- many times a night, I'm not cooking an extra vegetable for my kids, but I will have something chopped up that I can put on the side. I can always add something. Yeah. Frozen peas, by by the way, that is a weekly, if not twice a weekly, vegetable in my house because it's so easy. And my kids, I don't know, they're weird. They like to eat them frozen. 
They literally don't okay. want them heated. They're like vegetable popsicles. They want they're they like, want they're like dipping dots. Dipping dots. But they want pea dipping dots. I don't know what to and do with that. But so yeah, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> so we have macaroni from the box and peas and frozen peas, and they want them frozen. Still frozen. Okay. Why wouldn't you mix that inside your macaroni? Why wouldn't you melt that together? Why wouldn't you eat that mixed yeah. bite? Don't care. You ate peas. Good to go. Yeah, we win. <laughs> Done. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so See, I've having got all kinds of new ideas. Yes. So having some of these things in your back pocket about like tools, like meal prepping, but not even making a dish. I'm all for making a dish and eating it over a couple days. I love sure. myself some meal prep, but you don't even have to do that. Just cut up some vegetables and have it in your fridge ready. That's already <laughs> gonna get you four more servings of vegetables over your week than you had. Last week. You know, that that reminds me of this whole conversation reminds me, and we'll kind of end on this. I got more question for you, but we'll end on this. Yes. Um, I, I shared this on Facebook, I guess, last week, but there's a, uh, a cartoonist, an online cartoonist I follow, uh, and the cartoon's called Lunar Babu, and I'll, I'll yes. link it. Yes. And so I just shared one, and it was like, this little girl comes up to her dad, and she's got a handful of tools. The daddy, can I play with your tools? I don't know if you saw that one. I did. That may be why I'm thinking about it. Yes. And, and he says, sure, have fun, you know? And the next panel, he's talking to a friend or something, he said, that's not going to end well. And he says, I disagree. Or that's going to end poorly. He said, I disagree. That's going to start poorly. Who knows how it'll end? Yes. And the third panel is like them just standing there and like crashing noises coming off screen but then the final panel is this guy sitting you know older yes sitting at his table doing a uh uh crossword or something and his daughter standing in the background saying hey i fit like with the tool belt and says yeah i finished fixing the roof yes and we don't know where those little things like letting our kids cut a cucumber wrong um, yes will end Absolutely. And I think that so so there are some tools if, if you're interested in trying this out and you have the means, um, I can send you some links. Yeah, great. Some like kid friendly knives, um, kid friendly. Like there's this one thing. I mean, honestly, kids love like little special things. Gadgets this is stuff, your yeah. thing. This is your. And so um, there's one thing. It's got a, like a uh, not a serrated. It's got like a wiggly blade. I'm going to call wiggle. That's how I'm going to call That's, it. Yeah. And a handle. It'll be in the notes anyway. And it makes the cucumbers have like a uh, wave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like you've seen that. Yeah. Um, and so my kids were like, yes, I'm using that tool. This is I my want, thing. I want the wave. I want that one. And so that that makes them happy. I walk away. Their both hands are on a handle. They're not going to cut their fingers. Right. I'm doing four other things, and they're cutting up cucumbers. And by, maybe it took a long time. I don't care. Because, <laughs> because I'm already doing other things, and my kids are 6 and 10. So, like... <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But there's always something. Like there's always I, something they the can do. The plastic knife though, you can do that. The plastic one I have, like it's a it's they're they're not going to hurt themselves. Yeah. Like it's fine. And so if we can as parents can have little opportunities that they can do things and make mistakes and nobody's going to cry. And nobody's no long-lasting harm. It starts out poorly. I'm totally with. Like that's such a great message. But now as a 10-year-old, he can cut all those things. Yeah. He's got skills. Actual life skills. Absolutely. And does it do it perfect? No. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Who cares? It's not called. Yeah. You're not serving it in a restaurant. He's not going after a Chris Beard award or whatever. Absolutely. Like, and he did something and you, you didn't have to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You delegated. Yeah. Delegation's (laughs) great. And if they think they're having fun, they'll do it. Like, 
<laughs> you could. It's easy to convince a kid they're having fun. Yes. Believe it or not, Seriously. you can trick a kid into thinking they're enjoying Seriously. something. <laughs> so, so yeah, all those things. So okay, your last one. No, last question, and and you've listened to some of these, so you know that I ask this, and I don't know that we can peg one down now because we've talked about a lot of oh like helpful life tips. But I'm going to throw it at you anyway because that's what we do. Uh, yes. If you could pick one thing to tell our listeners. It can be whatever. I, I don't even care. I had I had a, a former guest or another guest that was like, is it okay if it's not a plant one? I was like, I don't right. care. Just whatever. Right. If you had one thing that you could tell our visitors, visitors, listeners, um, to make their gardening lives or whatever else like easier, more successful, what would that be? One thing is eat more vegetables. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what you, what's your favorite way. If you're getting a green smoothie or you're cutting up snacky vegetable things if you eat them with ranch i i don't care eat more vegetables um see if you can eat five servings um that's my my level one you know eat more vegetables okay so and i said my level two and three but um and ideally you're not eating two and a half cups of tomatoes because honestly you should at least eat public health says three kinds of vegetables sure a lot of like so five <laughs> servings of three different things because you need a range yeah and so it's coffee a vegetable it's a smoothie no it's a smoothie. i'm just i'm not that. gonna tell people i won't tell people that <laughs> i'm not gonna cut it out but it's a, a coffee is not a smoothie as much as i want it to be exactly well jessica i'll put all your uh, information contact information in the show notes as well as some of the links you said you'd send along which i appreciate yes but where can we find you what what yes. things can we uh, look up that jessica karim does yes so you can find me on instagram and facebook at ctk garden so that's the school garden webpage, and I share all the stuff we're doing at the school, whether it's kid harvesting, that kind of thing. So it gives you an idea for your own kids, your own back, backyard, your own self. Heck, if kids can do it, you can do it. Um, I also talk about how to eat vegetables, how to how to prepare them, that kind of thing. Um, and then, and composting, because I am a big fan of that too. So you'll, you'll find all those three things in there. And then also at South Plains Hunger is the Facebook and Instagram um, location for all of South Plains, uh, different connections, whether it has to do with child hunger or senior hunger, but also what I do, hashtag hunger and horticulture. <laughs> and so, and so you can find, you can find all those. All right. So Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with me. I really enjoyed that. I think that was a great episode. Thank you. That was fun. All right. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. I really enjoyed that episode. Uh, I learned a lot from Jessica, and I, I always do every time I, I see her. And uh, I hope you did too. I think the ideas of spending time outdoors and getting some fresh air and sunlight and learning what it is to grow our own food and teaching that to our kids is super important, especially right now, as much as any other time, especially right now, y'all. So uh, get outside and garden and just just enjoy nature as always you can find us on social media as planthropology we're on instagram twitter and the face space the group is planthropology's cool plant people which uh, again you should definitely be a part of um we'll be back next week i don't actually know yet which episode it's gonna be so it will be an adventure for all of us. I think it's probably Dr. Earl Beck and Kelsey O'Pat from uh, Ag Communications here at Texas Tech, but we'll see. Life's always an adventure. Uh, 
leave us some feedback and let us know if there is anything you would like to hear covered. If there's something we could talk about that would help you as you homeschool and all of that or something that you're just interested in, I would love to try to address it. Y'all are the very best. Stay cool, stay safe, and we'll see you next week.